All right, indeedy. Yes, it is all right, indeedy. And welcome back. You know, it's um, I hadn't had a show in like two weeks, and then I got two in less than 24 hours. Uh, but that's what happens sometimes in life, and you got to just kind of roll with it. And that's what I'm doing here today. I'm rolling with it as we come at you on this Tuesday afternoon, uh, mid-November time frame. And, yeah, I, I, I know I know what you're thinking, and I know what's on your mind. And, yes, we are going to jump right into it right now. Uh, it happened last night. Yes. For the first time in the 2022 NFL season, your Philadelphia Eagles are Philadelphia Eagles came up short, uh, by a tune of 32 to 21 against the Washington commanders on primetime Monday night football in a game that you could just kind of tell from the outset that was not going to go the Eagles way. Uh, it, a very confusing, interesting game plan, uh, that was very pass heavy for the Eagles, uh, coupled with a very rare, Four turnover day. The Eagles turned the ball over last night four times and only took the ball away twice. And, of course, it, we all know in football, if you don't win the turnover battle, you're not going to win many games, right? Uh, and as for the commanders, uh, Taylor Heineke, man, wow. Uh, not like what you would call all pro numbers, but definitely enough to uh, kind of like make people take notice as, you know, there's a kind of a quarterback battle going on out there in D.C., uh, Carson Wentz, who will be eligible to come back and play next week after dealing with that broken finger. Um, I don't know, man. I don't know if Taylor Heineke is, uh, is done not enough to keep that job. I think he might. And it'll be very interesting to see what Ron Rivera and the uh, commanders do with that situation as they move forward. But Taylor Heineke, 17 for 29, 211 uh, very effective yards and an interception. Um, leading the way for the commanders to a victory last night in, in a very um, uninspiring game by the Eagles, sloppy game by the Eagles. And there's going to be a lot to talk about when it comes to the officiating, uh, some questionable calls, some questionable no calls, the face mask uh, fumble that turned into um, one of the very key turnovers of the game for the Eagles and a, and a blatant missed call. Uh, Dallas Goddard was literally dragged to the ground by his face mask. Uh, anybody could see that uh, except for those wearing the striped shirts, apparently. And on the way down, he, he lost control of the ball. That doesn't equate, um, you know, a face mask does not equate to a turnover. So there's some accountability to Dallas Goddard. And we all know he's got a tendency uh, to put the ball on the ground at the very mo at the very inopportune moments. And that was, in my, in my opinion, one of those moments was last night, even though it was a, a blatant, obvious face mask which was not called. Um, Eagles got things rolling pretty quick, though, in the beginning of the game. They got a turnover and then used that turnover to kind of uh, force their way into a very early 7 nothing lead. Uh, but Washington battled back, and then the Eagles battled back, and the Eagles went into the second quarter up 14-7. to But what has not been the case 
for the majority of the season uh, happened on in the second quarter. The Eagles were shut out in the second quarter last night. Uh, and the Redskins, or Commander, sorry, put up 13 points uh, to take the, the, the 20 to 14 halftime lead. And at that point, I can remember thinking to myself, whoa, whoa, here we go. A team that averages eight second half points. I mentioned it to Kyle Quinn last night on the pregame. I just don't have confidence in that. I need this team, the Eagles, that is, to have dominant first halves, to go into the halftime with double-digit leads, not trailing by six, uh, to feel confident enough that they can come back and um, and have an effective second half based on what they've been able to do or not been able to do points-wise this season. And the Eagles did not disappoint me. Seven total second-half points last night. Uh, just ain't going to get it done. That's not going to get it done. Uh, the Eagles now, I think, were the season. Let me get my little number chart here. I got it right here. Let me see. What is it now? Um, on the season right now, the Eagles have scored let me flip to the page, 71 second-half points uh, through nine games. Right? If you do the math, that's less than eight points a half for the season. It's, it's like 7.9. So it's dropped. Bottom line is you cannot, you can't continue this way. And Kyle Quinn tried to shoo-shoo me yesterday by saying, well, they've been getting better. And they had. They had two very good, encouraging second halves. But now, if you do the math, they've had seven discouraging second halves. So to me, that's not getting better. That's a trend in the wrong way. So listen, folks, you know, you're not going to get it done. Seven, seven second half points. <coughs> excuse me, are not going to get it done. Uh, the Redskins only, or damn, the Commanders, sorry, only put up nine points in the second half. But guess what? When you have a six-point lead going into the half and you put up nine in the second half and your opponent puts up seven, it kind of still works out in your favor, right? And that's kind of what went down last night. Now that 32, uh, that late seven points that came at the end when the Eagles were trying to lateral their way down the field at the last second as no time was remaining. Uh, they turned the ball over, and Washington returned it for a touchdown to kind of seal the deal. Uh, not that it wasn't already sealed, but, um, but yeah. So where, where did it go wrong? Well, I look at it like this. Over the course of, the, uh, of most of this season, the Eagles up front defensively have not been very good with, against the uh, run. They've been very good against the long pass. They've been decent against the mid-game. Um, but against the run, they've been victimized. And last night was no different than it has been throughout the year. Um, what was it? Brandon Robinson? Is that his name? Let me see what his name is here. Uh, Brian Robinson, who is the Redskins' starting tailback, uh, had himself a decent night. Uh, 26 carries, 86 yards, and a touchdown. So you had another running back almost closing in on 100 yards for the game. Uh, on the other side of things, Miles Sanders with 12 carries and 54 yards. All right? That's horrible. Uh, the Eagles, I believe it was something like they ran the ball twice and threw the ball 18 times uh, in the first half last night. Again, a puzzling game plan. Uh, once it doesn't work, you know, the, the numbers were better in the second half, but it still didn't seem like the adjustment was made by Nick Sirianni and company. Uh, Jalen Hurts on the quarterback side of things, 17 for 26, 175 yards. He did throw two touchdowns, and he did have an interception. And um, But the dagger in the heart for the Eagles was uh, McLaurin. 
for the uh, for the Commanders. Eight receptions, 128 yards. Um, against a secondary that, as I mentioned, has been very, very good against the deep, deep game this year. Uh, they shut down uh, Justin Jefferson. They've shut down just about every wide receiver they've dealt with all year. But last night, Terry McLaurin broke it open. Eight receptions for 128 yards and really stretched the field uh, against the Eagles. Uh, Klez Watkins led the way with the Eagles in receptions, uh, four for 80, but he also had probably the worst turnover I've ever seen in my life. A beautiful, beautiful deep play. Uh, Jalen Hurts hits Klez Watkins, who falls down, gets up, runs a little bit, and then drops the ball. Kicks the ball right off of his knee. The ball is loose on the ground. Negates about a 45-yard uh, pass play. Redskin, or commanders get the ball back. They go down, and, and, they, and they do what they got to do uh, to win the game 32-21. Dropping the Eagles to 8-1 and on the season and keeping my dream alive. Now, I, 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 I've laid low about all this, by the way. I have not been on social media. I have not even talked to my EOP brethren about any of this because I don't want to be labeled as that Eagle fan because I hurt when the Eagles lose. They, I do. I, I don't like it. Um, but again, sometimes you got to break some eggs to make an omelet. And I'm still staying on the hill that this team is not that good. And last night, to their credit, they, they were able to keep it rolling through eight, nine games. But the 1972 Miami Dolphins enjoyed some champagne, uh, courtesy of the Eagles last night, as uh, the Eagles were the final on the unbeaten team this year in the NFL. And now the Dolphins, that record continues on through another year for the 72 Dolphins, so congratulations to them. And as far as the Eagles go, we have to kind of pick it up here because the Colts are looming on early rest and another dominant running game in Jonathan Taylor, who will probably be heavy on the pass or heavy on the run until the Eagles prove otherwise. And it's not good right now defensively for this team. And then their offensive mysteries abound with, with what happens to them in the second half. You know, everyone kept telling me, oh, it's because of game plan. They were up so by, by so much against teams at halftime. They go into a different type of mode offensively in the second half. And I was kind of buying that. But what was the deal last night? They trailed in the second half. And, you know, they, they, were, they played as putrid as they did last night, trailing in the second half, as they have leading in the second half throughout. Uh, this season, all in tune to a, a 32-21 win. Eagles are now 8-1. and one, And the gap gets a little tighter in the NFC East as the Dallas Cowboys and New York Giants, or, or actually the Giants, uh, not the Cowboys, for some, uh, not so much because they lost, but the Giants are still sitting there at 7-2, and two, looming. And uh, it's getting a little tight in the NFC East right now. So, not a good game. Uh, but... And then, you know, they got the ref factor. Yeah, was it the best game I've ever seen called? No, it was not. But if you if you leave a game in the hands of the ref, of the refs, you shouldn't, one. And two, if you do, you shouldn't be surprised with the outcome. All right? Because the bottom line was the Eagles did not play well last night. Yeah, did they get kind of cheated out of a couple calls, especially that egregious face mask? Absolutely. But, again, you leave the, you leave the game in the hands of the, of, of the stripes, gonna happen like that man it is so there you have it 32 21 our first eagles defeat of the season next up are the indianapolis colts next sunday and of course uh i will be there eagle pregame on talking philly sports with maddie b sometime this weekend with my boy kyle quinn as we'll get an opportunity to talk about it 
And uh, hopefully the Eagles can get back on the winning ways here uh, against the Colts. Uh, a game, a, a Colts team that's reeling. You know, they fired Frank Reich. They hired fan favorite Jeff Saturday, who was, I think, a high school head coach a couple weeks ago. Um, but they went out and they won their first game against the Raiders. So there's some love and some vibes some good feelings going on out there. And then you got Jonathan Taylor as well to worry about as another formidable run threat will be a, a test for this Eagle, uh, very ineffective defensive front uh, that's really, really struggled. So that's next week against the Colts. Now, folks, let's get on to the NFL in general because I have not been able to um, talk to you about my picks. I never even gave you my Week 10 picks. No, I didn't. Again, we didn't have the show last Thursday, and we went into the weekend. I didn't give you my Week 10 picks. I should have given them to you last night, but I didn't. You're going to have to trust my integrity on this. And I am in a, I do have integrity, so I'm going to jump into that right now. Uh, I was 9-5 uh, and five in Week 10 in my selections, and I'm going to go over them. I took Atlanta to beat Carolina. I was wrong. I took Tampa. Um, or I took Seattle to beat Tampa. I was wrong. I took Buffalo to beat Minnesota. I was wrong. I took Chicago to beat Detroit. I was wrong. I got Tennessee over Denver. Got that one. Casey over Jacksonville. Got that one. Miami over Cleveland. Got that one. Giants over Houston. Got that one. Pittsburgh over New Orleans. Got that one. Indy over the Raiders. Got that one. Green Bay over Dallas. Got that one. Arizona. Uh, I got the Rams over Arizona. Didn't get that one. I got the Niners over the Chargers. Got that one. And I did pick the, uh, the Commanders to beat the Eagles last night. Go back and listen to the Eagle uh, Talk of Philly Sports 90B Eagle pregame show, and you can verify that one. So all in tune to a 9-5 Week 10. One of the better weeks that I've had in this wacky season. My now uh, total on the year is now 79-71 and 71 as we get ready for Week 11. And, of course, I'll be back later in the week, and we'll break down Week 11. I'll give you my picks as well. So a wacky week, another one in the National Football League that caps off with our Eagles losing 32-21. to 21. All right, let's kind of change gears now uh, and get into the hockey scene. Uh, the Flyers enter play tonight. They got a game in Columbus. Uh, the second time they're going to be in Columbus within a week against the Blue Jackets. <clears throat> the Flyers go into this game 7-6-2 and two, and uh, playing every bit like what we expected them to be playing uh, when the season began. Of course, we got a little bit of a, a taste of how good the Flyers could be or how positive things were now by the start of the season that they've had. But they are currently now on a three-game losing streak. And it's imperative that if they want to kind of get away from that 10-game losing streak vibe that I'm starting to feel, and I think a lot of people are starting to feel here in Philadelphia, it's imperative they get on the on the win column tonight and put an end to that. It's not going to be easy. Uh, they lost another piece, yet, and over the weekend, Wade Allison is down with a hip pointer and some knee issues. He's going to be out for at least three weeks uh, as he once again, you know, Wade Allison is, is an interesting uh, player. When he's in, he's a spark plug. His motor is always running. But the problem is he can't stay in. This kid has been hurt so much in his early part of his career. It is obviously not um, not a good sign, right? And uh, he's once again is going to be out for a significant period of time as he, as he deals with a lower body injury. And the Flyers will start tonight. 7.05 start, I believe, out in Columbus. I think Carter Hart is in the net for the Flyers tonight. And it is imperative that the team get a win, if, if not only just to kind of get things, some of the heat off, right? Uh, no one expects this team to do much of anything going into the season, and I got that. But, you know, score, getting outscored 9-2 to over the weekend at home 
you just you you know that's not competitive hockey. And I and and we've said that the Flyers, if anything this year, were going to be competitive and entertaining. This weekend was not entertaining hockey. It was reminiscent of last year hockey. And we we got to get away from that. We got to get back in the win column, or at the very goddamn least, bit a competitive game, and, and try to get things turned around against an, a not good Columbus team. They're not. They're not that good. Uh, Zach Rowenski, who got hurt in that game against the Flyers last week, is now out for the year, as he tore his labrum in that game in that on that play. So they're dealing with some injury. Uh, Patrick uh, Lanane is also out for the next three weeks. He got hurt over the weekend in New York against the Islanders. So listen. There's no reason why the Flyers can't go into Columbus tonight, neutralize Johnny Hockey, <clears throat> and come out there with the win. And I think it's really important that they do. And if you want to hear what happened tonight, and without waiting for me to come back on this show on Thursday, I host a uh, Flyers post-game show on the Edge of Philly Sports called Clear the Ice. Every um, every every game at the, after sorry after every Flyers game, go ahead and check me out on the edgeofphillysports.com on our webpage or on our uh, social media pages and our YouTube channel uh, immediately following tonight's game against the uh, Columbus Blue Jackets. So now uh, a topic that we were hot on and then it kind of just went away and now it's kind of hanging there. And that is your, and I never really gave them their proper due and I'm going to give it to them now. And that's your baseball team. Um, the Philadelphia Phillies, of course, as we all know, and I mentioned this briefly yesterday, uh, did not, uh, came up short in their quest to win the World Series, falling in six games to the Houston Astros uh, last Saturday or going on two weeks now. Uh, they lost 4-1 to in that game, ending the magical ride of 2022 and leaving a lot of people wondering what's next. Or one, I think, I think there's two things they're wondering. One, can we recapture this? And two, what's next, right? Listen. For a man who spent uh, a lot of time watching Phillies baseball this summer and reporting on it for a tune of 180 games, I am here to tell you that there's a blueprint uh, for continued success. Now, I'm not going to go out on a ledge and say, oh, we're going to be a World Series and in the World Series every year because there's so much that has to happen for that. But you don't go into a season necessarily one, you know, with that mo- with, with, with that goal in mind at the very beginning. You go in with the the goal in mind to be one of the teams standing at the end in October to compete for that prize. And that's what the Phillies, I think, have the blueprint for is a perennial playoff team. And it's funny that we lost perspective of it all, right? We lost perspective as the season wore on. We went from, you know, Kyle Schwarber and Nick Castellanos, oh, you know, we're gonna we're gonna bash in balls out of out of the park at historical rates to 21 and 29 in early June, firing Joe Girardi. Lame duck manager syndrome, I think, all the way. And uh, Rob Thompson kind of, you know, picked the team up by their bootstraps and led them back. They had an outstanding June, a very good July. It propelled them into the wild card hunt or actually deep firmly into that wild card hunt. They never really smelled the division. And, not, you know, we, we talked about that all summer. But but it got them back in the wild card pitcher. Uh, they were able to hold on at the end there. Uh, to get into the playoffs and then do what they did. And it's a testament to them. It's a testament to the old adage of it doesn't matter how you get to the playoffs. All that matters is that you get there. And after that, all, you know, all, you know, bets are off. You're playing with house money. It's anybody's guess what's going to happen. And that's exactly what happened with the Phillies this year. 
to a team that was not complete to begin with. And we talked about that back in April. We knew there was defensive issues. We knew that there was potential bullpen problems. We knew that this team could definitely hit power, but where was the other offense going to come from? We knew all these things heading into the season, but yet we were still excited. And to be honest with you, they exceeded my expectations. You know, I just wanted, I'm not going to sit here and tell you I just wanted to get to the playoffs. I always want to win a World Series. But the legitimacy or the reality of the Phillies getting to the World Series back in April was pretty slim. But there they were. And I think the blueprint is there for that continued success to compete for a chance to be in the World Series. Now, what they do heading into this offseason, and we are actually deep into it already, is totally on them. There are some issues on this team. The first phase question needs to be answered this year, both offensively and defensively. we got to figure out what's going on there. And more, more specifically, what's up with Hoskins? Are we, are we done with him, which I think we should be? Or does he deserve another chance, which I don't think he does? And if not, what are we going to do there? Who's playing that position? Do we go out and sign a catcher and move JT there? Because we don't have a catching prospect anymore. And Logan O'Hoppy, because we traded him, would have been nice to have that kid kind of floating around the minors right now, wouldn't it? Give you another option there with JT, moving him to first and putting um, O'Hoppy behind the dish. So what do you do there? The shortstop question. Uh, Gene Segura was uh, his, his... Club option for 23 was declined, and the Phillies bought him out for a million dollars, effectively making him a free agent. So now we don't have a second base and we have a shortstop, but all all arrows and signs are pointing to moving Bryson Stott to second and going after either going after one of those talented shortstops, Trey Turner, Xander Bogarts, or two names that are popping up. So there's a plan there. What do we do with the rotation? We got a one in Wheeler, we got a two in Nola. They declined the club option on, or they mutually declined, I think, the player option on Eflin. He's a free agent, so we don't have a three. We got a four in Ranger, and we don't have a five because Suarez, or not Suarez, Syndergaard is, is also a free agent. Kyle Gibson, also a free agent. So what are we doing at three and five in our rotation? So I'm calling for Andrew Painter and Abel to come on up and be the three and five. I disagree with that 100%. I think both of them would be uh, better suited if we're another year in the minor leagues, and then we go we go from we go from there. So what do you do? We need a three, and we need a five. What is going on, with Bryce Harper, in that injury? Is he going to get surgery? If he does, he's going to be gone to at least the beginning of the second half of next season. If it's full blown Tommy John, what's going on there? What's up at the bench? Uh, one of the weaknesses of the, of the season was the fact that the Phillies were lacking on any kind of bench power or bench clutch hitting. It wasn't there. It wasn't really there. We have to address that issue. And then, of course, the bullpen. Uh, David Robertson will be a free agent. Uh, Corey Knable is going to be a free agent. Brad Hand is a free agent. Uh, we're losing about four to five pieces out of that bullpen that Really, what was probably the biggest surprise, or the most pleasant surprise for me, of of twenty two was was the way the bullpen rebounded. So a lot of questions to be answered, but a blueprint nevertheless is there for success. And if things are done correctly, 
And do we address, can we address all those needs in this offseason? I don't know. Is there some help from within? Bailey Falter comes into mind. Does he maybe get an opportunity to compete for a, a rotational spot or at the very minimum, a bullpen spot? Derek Hall, the power hitting first baseman, is he an option at first base or potentially on the bench? Or is he better suited for playing another year every day in AAA? There's some intriguing options that they, they're going to have to look at, and they will, I'm sure, as we get deeper into this. Uh, free agency is about a week old. Um, no moves by the Phillies yet, other than what they've announced in terms of not coming back and, and, uh, and whatnot. But a great season, a memorable one, a one that I'm finding hard to deal with the fact that it's over. It, it's been tough for me. It's been tough for me to accept that fact that we don't, we don't have a baseball season anymore, and it's been hard. I ain't going to lie. But I've been dealing with it. <laughs> All right, and that's really much going to do me in today, folks. Uh, I wanted to come on and obviously uh, give you the epitaph of the 32-21 Eagle loss last night to the Commanders, dropping them now out of the ranks of the unbeaten to 8-1 and one overall for the season. Uh, we, you know, we talked three for four today, and that's, that's as best as I can do currently, and I already told you why. I will not speak of the basketball team until they fire their head coach, which is, in my opinion, two years overdue. So until that happens, no Sixers talk on my show. I'm sorry. I'm sorry to be that way. I was that way last year when they got rid of Ben Simmons. I'm being that, that way this year. I just don't have any confidence right now in this, in this team, and I don't have it especially under the tutelage of Glenn Rivers. So no talk about the basketball team until the coach is fired. Folks, as I said, that's going to do it for me. Thank you.